What's up, Dreadheads? I'm John, and welcome to another episode of Talking Dread. This week, I have the distinct privilege to talk to someone that I, I kind of fangirled out a little bit when uh, when he agreed to come on here for me personally, and that is a uh, filmmaker, YouTube host, uh, producer, distributor, podcaster, uh, Jonathan Doth. Thanks for stopping by and talking some dread with me, man. Yeah, thanks for having me on. So for uh, any of you who don't know, um, I'll go through the extensive list of all the stuff that this guy does. Uh, as I mentioned, first and foremost, he's a filmmaker. The, uh, he is the founder of Putrid Productions and Vile Video Productions. Um, he is also, uh, you just got done with your third uh, film in the uh, Fetish Gore series, Erotic non uh, Grotesque Nonsense. And that's uh, Bar Funny, The Degenerates, and your latest one, Defilement of a Porcelain Doll. Uh, I found him originally on YouTube. Uh, that's where I originally discovered you before anything else, and that was with Cinema's Underbelly. I love to check out stuff about disturbing movies and stuff like that and really dug your channel. Uh, you also host the podcast Uneasy Terrain Explorers Club, which I'm also a very big fan of. Uh, you just had a uh, a murderer on, didn't you? A real a real, real life murderer. Yeah. Just, uh, just interviewed uh, Wild Bill. He's a hitman and a serial killer. Yeah, is he still in prison? Yeah. Okay. Because <laughs> go ahead. He's in a Panama. He's in a Panama prison, and he's going to be there. He's got probably forty more years to serve. So wow. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and then also uh, the uh, what was the I'm missing one of the other YouTube channels. It's the, the Murder Belia Show and Tell. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, of course you can check out all of his stuff at putridproductions.bigcartel.com. And he's got several websites and social medias. Those are going to be in the show notes below, whether you're checking us out on YouTube or on the uh, all the podcast platforms we're on. Uh, so I guess I got to kick it off first and foremost, because you do a lot. Well, so, so, I mean, I guess what made you want to get into all of these different facets of horror? Because, I mean, normally when I talk to someone, you know, we had James Harbison on last uh, time. He's a horror author. Um what made you get into all of this? I mean, you you cover pretty much all angles of horror with everything you do, man. Yeah, so um, I've, I've shared this story a couple times, but I had a traumatic brain injury when I was a kid and um, had like crazy hallucinations and stuff because I had a seizure disorder until I was about 13 when I went through puberty. And so I really kind of like the world was kind of this unpredictable, scary place because I would have these seizures that would cause me to have hallucinations. And so I was kind of a scared, a scared kid, but I was born in the nineties. And so I like gravitated towards goosebumps and like, are you afraid of the dark and, and would like record episodes or rent movies and whatever, and used horror as a way for me to kind of like gain control over fear. You know, I was able to get a tape and rewind it or fast forward or pause it or whatever. And it gave me kind of like autonomy over that. And so as a really young kid, I, I always had this like love for horror and um, I think kind of exploring that kind of stuff. I think a lot of people can relate to this, that you um, it's like a safe Avenue to explore uh, this kind of stuff. And, and it allows you to kind of like push your own boundaries. And some people hate that feeling and some people like that feeling. And I'm one of those people that really likes that feeling. I like, feeling uncomfortable. I like feeling like my boundaries are being pushed. And so over the years, I've just been pushing that envelope more and more and more and uh, started out with your 
your exploitation films, your video nasties, things like Cannibal Holocaust and stuff like that. And it eventually evolved into more extreme stuff like um, August Underground and Loose for Valentine. And then ultimately went into darker avenues of other things like true crime and um, extreme pornography, things of that nature. And I also am a kid that grew up like in the punk scene and have always just had an interest in kind of like the underbelly of society, like the fringes of society. And so I like to explore all of those avenues. Like I just, I just like to exist in the fringe in the underground. And so I try to, and I have all of these different interests. Like I've got horror, I've got true crime, I've got um, oddities, I've got whatever. And so I basically try to like, I've got my cinema's underbelly channel and I can explore cinema and I've got my podcast and I can interview porn stars and crime scene cleaners and serial killers or whatever. And, um, and then I, I'm a filmmaker myself and, and then I've got my, my true crime stuff that I do too. So I, I just want to be able to have no limits and be able to explore anything I want to explore. Now, one of the first things, uh, if I'm not mistaken, that you kind of got into was with, with, with uh, photography, correct? Yeah. And uh, so what was the name of the scene? Cause you, did you, you released a couple of books, if I'm not mistaken. I know you were taking like pictures of like dead animals you were finding and shit like that. Yeah. So, um, I started a photo book series and I was intending to do, uh, three entries in it, but, uh, and the first and the, um, the very first one that I did is called Animalia Mortem. And it's focused on roadkill. And basically, I, uh, for eight months, would just, every time I was driving, running errands, doing whatever, anytime I would see roadkill, I'd pull over and take a picture of it. <laughs> and uh, and after eight months, it was like an accumulation of all these pictures. And kind of the point of it was like, we see roadkill all the time when you're driving and stuff, but no one stops and bears witness to that. You know, like everyone says, stop and smell the roses, but no one says, stop and check out the roadkill, you know? Um, <laughs> And so it was just kind of like an interesting thing I wanted to explore. Like, look how much roadkill I came across in eight months. Right. You know, if you actually stop and look at it, and for the most most of the part, people most of the time people will just drive by that stuff, and it's just rubbish on the side of the road. But like, right. um, and so so the whole part point of the photo book series was to stop and pay attention to things that are like in front of your face all the time, but no one pays attention to it. So um, the photo book series, it was really expensive to put out that book and uh, it didn't gain a lot of traction, um, but I eventually plan on putting out two more. Um, the second one is going to be called World's Forgotten, and that one's going to be of uh, abandoned buildings and stuff. Okay. Um, like if you I don't, I don't know where you're located, but like the drive from like I'm located in San Diego, so the drive from San Diego to Vegas there's tons of abandoned buildings, like all on that hole when you're driving down the five. And so I uh, took that drive and stopped and took the pictures of all of the abandoned buildings that you see. And so that's going to be the next entry within it. So awesome. Awesome. So. All right. So you you went you went from that um, now did like the YouTube channel and the the podcasting and stuff like that. Did that actually like start taking place before you started actually making films? I know. One of the first things that uh, I kind of became aware of was when uh, I think it was Marcus Koch that well, did he he put out Symbolicus, correct? 
Mm-hmm. And you did a segment on there, uh, the Hexagon segment. Was that the first thing that you had kind of released? I'm sure it wasn't the first thing you ever filmed, but that was was that kind of the first thing you filmed that was actually released? Um, yeah, that was the very first film that I put out under my my stage name of Jonathan Doe. And um, and so yeah, that was a short film of of basically it's like 13 different filmmakers did like different shorts and the only thing we were given was just a symbol so i was given a hexagon and uh and i could do whatever i wanted so i made this really bizarre interpretation of the origin of man and mother nature and stuff like that um that has like a woman walking around naked who represents mother nature she has a vagina for a face and she's like planting fetuses in the ground and the fetuses are sprouting into human beings it's kind of like um, you're kind of like your own begotten. Yeah, I wanted to make something super bizarre and weird like that. So <laughs> that was the very first thing I did. Um, but I the very first like thing that actually gained a lot of traction was Cinema's Underbelly. So I started with Cinema's Underbelly, and from gaining what I wanted to do is I wanted to build an audience first and then become start making films because gotcha. I think doing it the other way around is hard. Like um if I just made if I just made something and I was kind of I had no name behind me, no one's going to give a shit. You know, people are putting gotcha. out movies all the time. So I did this. I did the YouTube thing and built an audience and then started making movies after that. So before we go more into the movie thing, because I, I definitely want to focus on the, the YouTube thing, because, again, that's that's how I found you. Um, I get into extreme cinema and stuff like that. We, we, we also have another show we call uh, Fright Flick, Fuck, Mary Kill. I actually co-host it with my my real life big brother. He has got a stomach of iron. I'm a complete pussy when it comes to that stuff. I'm the guy like when I watch it, like I'm sitting there trying not to have panic attacks and things like that. But it's like you said, you kind of get addicted to the rush of it, of pushing yourself. And what I liked so much about cinema's underbelly was there's there's a lot of channels. Of course, I probably the first one would be horrible reviews. I think, you know, that is like the OG on YouTube for doing that stuff. But what I like so much about yours versus a lot of the other ones is that you are a a big collector of physical media. So yours did not focus so much on showing clips and things like that as kind of highlighting the actual physical packaging of the movie you were talking about, which, like I said, I I collect a good bit, too. Nowhere near what you have. But as someone that does collect, I, I found that actually even more fascinating. I can go to anywhere and get clips of the movies and things of that nature. But to actually see the physical representation of, of some of these films that get insanely limited uh, releases, I, I really like. So what what made you decide to kind of do it that way? And when talking about it, highlighting your actual collection versus just kind of taking the route of putting up more screenshots and, and quick clips and stuff from disturbing films you were talking about. Well, my approach with pretty much everything is I don't want to be a copycat. I want to bring something new to the table, you know? And so like, this is kind of advice I have for anybody who wants to start a channel is instead of like, I mean, people are uploading and trying to start horror channels all the time. Right. And so that's fine and good. But if you're just going to recycle the same formula that someone else is doing, you're going to get lost in the sea of everybody else doing it. And so what I did and what I recommend people do is look at the landscape that's going on right now and be like, man, I really wish someone would do whatever. Like I wish somebody would do X, Y, and Z. And then you be that person, you fill in that missing gap, you know? And so the, when I was starting cinema's underbelly, the two things that I really 
saw lacking when it came to the horror review channels was um, people would do unboxings and like show their DVDs, but the cinematography was always crap. You know, it was like a person just kind of like flashing the cover, right. flashing the spine, not spending the time to really look at it, you know, and as collectors, we watch these unboxings because you go, oh, well, do I want to buy this new edition? Like, is it worth it? You know, or for something that's super rare, you're like, I really want to see what the cover art of this looks like. And so the and the other area where I saw that was lacking was people were not taking like an objective analytical look at these films. It was just like, hey, this is a Serbian film and it's super fucking brutal and you should fucking right. see it, you know? Yeah. And I wanted to know like, well, what's the history behind it? What's the controversy behind it? Is it banned in any countries? That kind of stuff. And so I kind of, when I started Cinema's Underbelly, I took the two areas where I saw there being like a hole and I was like, okay, I want to incorporate really good, almost unboxing kind of stuff. Like you really get to see the cover. You really get to see what it looks like because some of these, like you said, some of these films, you don't, you've never seen the cover before. You don't know no. what the looks like, you know? So here, this is what it, this is what this rare film looks like. And here is some information about it. And like when it came out, um, where, if it's available or not, like all of that kind of stuff. And so I think that's why the channel kind of popped off pretty quickly is because I was bringing something kind of different and fresh. You know, it wasn't just me telling you my opinion. I actually try to stay away from my opinion. I try to just be like, it's almost like an encyclopedia entry on this obscure film. This you do. Kind you of, kind of, uh, you, you, you have like a, almost like a journalistic approach to it. Like there's no judgment really of the movies. Um, uh, there are a few of them, like when he's talking about mixtapes and stuff like that, if anybody listens to you, you, you can be sometimes very vehemently outspoken on mixtapes and things <laughs> of that nature, but you do, you, you approach it. Uh, it's almost like a, almost like a historical documentation of the, the piece of media. And it's, it's very well shot. Uh, and to be honest, I think it's one of those that it, it's I would f think and it's crazy coming from you because you actually exist in the world of extreme cinema and and making it. But I would probably tell anyone if they were interested in in learning about extreme cinema, yours is one of the more easily easier to digest things. They're not going to really see something that's going to really catch them off guard. You don't really go into what makes you know you know you talk a little bit about why they're infamous and stuff like that but it is it has a very i don't know almost like schooling to it it's almost like you're having a class about the film and things like that and it's it's very uh very mute presentation i, I just like it i can zone out into it because again if you're into extreme cinema most of the stuff you're talking about i've seen others talk about it i'm aware of it but most of them don't you know uh, unfortunately because of the way extreme cinema is and 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 how tough it can be to have physical releasing most people don't own a copy of it even if they've watched it you know they went to effed up movies or whatever way they've had to get a hold of it so that's one of the things i like so much about it because as a as a physical collector it feels like you're actually like i don't know like it, it feel like you know we're gonna look at those videos a hundred years from now and be like almost like we're unearthing something <laughs> yeah i mean it's like a lot of these really obscure films it's almost like you have like this relic like because they yes. only made so many, you know, um, like I have a copy of uh, The Baby Butcher, which isn't really a good film, but they only made 30 copies of it. And right. so it's like, wow, you know, I've got this really rare thing. And so right. it's cool to show that kind of stuff. Yeah, I so. think I think the, the probably the most scarce thing I own, it's a copy of The Bunny Game. But um, 
they had put out a very limited, I try to get mine on Blu-ray as much as possible. I could care less about the quality, mostly because the discs are a lot more protected. So it's going to last a little bit longer. Uh, and they had done, I think maybe a two or 300 run of those. And I could never find one for less than a few hundred bucks. But then I just randomly found, I don't know who got the rights to do it, but it was like a German company. And it's, it's, and it's, it's an astounding. It's like a book. Uh, everything's in fucking German. It's got a ton of pages of stuff. I have no idea what it says. It's like hand number. I think they only did like 120 or 150 copies of it. Um, but I, I actually ended up getting that way cheaper than if I would have bought their their mainline Blu-ray release of it. And that's one of those where, you know, I, I don't shit on anybody, but the Bunny game is, it's a tough watch and it's not, I wouldn't say a great movie. It's, it's the backstory to it's far cooler than what's actually on, you know, the screen, in my opinion. But like every time I walk by it, it's one of those where I kind of go like, "Fuck yeah, man!" Like <laughs> I'm, I'm happy that's sitting right there, you know. <laughs> like it, I kind of fucking because it won't fit on my normal shelves too, so I have to kind of display it almost like a book and everything like that. And so I like when people walk in there, like, "What's that?" I'm like, "Oh, let me tell you about that." <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you did the YouTube, and I think that was very smart because honestly, you're right, especially when it comes to extreme cinema, low budget cinema, and stuff like that. It there's tons of people out there doing it and there's a lot of shit there really is because a lot of people i don't think try to like you said take an angle on it they're just like oh i'm gonna be the next fred vogel my movie's gonna be more offensive than 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 mortem was uh or i'm gonna gross more people out than lucifer valentine that kind of stuff and they they don't really focus on making something that's enjoyable to watch if if you can call the the slaughtered vomit dolls trilogy enjoyable to watch, you probably would. Um, <laughs> but uh, so so that kicks off into the erotic, grotesque nonsense. Now, tell us a little bit about like you know like uh, you know gore fetish movies, a little bit of the history, and 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 why you kind of chose that avenue to start kind of making a name for yourself as a filmmaker. Um. Well, I, I kind of I. I identify as being kind of like someone who's really into extreme cinema. Mm. So I wanted to make like my very first, um, I guess like directorial debut of something that's like larger than, than the short that I made for Symbolicus be something that was going to have a punch to it. And I really do like um, what I like about fetish gore films and certain elements of extreme cinema in general is that, when you're diving into extreme cinema, you go down this journey of you're watching stuff that's fake. You're watching things that are simulated. Like you go and you watch a movie and it, they might have a really brutal uh, gore scene, but it's all practical effects, right? But the, the films that really like have an impactful punch are those films where the line between something being fake and something being real is blurred. And so like a good example of of that is cannibal holocaust and i'm not condoning anything but in cannibal holocaust they've got real animal death right. in it and then they also have fabricated human death but they both look real as fuck and that's <laughs> what resulted in roger diodato being being arrested because they're like well i don't you were killing animals for real and these human deaths look real like maybe you really did kill people and that's one thing that i really like about fetish gore is a lot of the a lot of the stuff is not is not fake. You know, no, people are really puking on each other. People are really pissing on each other. People are really cutting each other. And like you bring up the bunny game, like the actress really got branded in that. movie. Yes. You know? yeah, so I, that, think, I think she allowed him to every time she, he's hitting her and stuff like it's all real. 
Um, and, and, and it's cool because it was, it was a, a, if you, if you, you know, anytime she talks about it, she was kind of retelling stuff that had really happened to her. So it was a way kind of like how you found horror taking back a part of your control. That's what making the bunny game was for her, because at this point, rather than someone doing these things to her against her will, she was in charge. She was telling them to do it. She was allowing it to happen. So there was, there was therapy going on despite how people feel about it. That was there. That was a therapy session on film for her, basically. Yeah. And uh, and so that's why I think that these kind of films are really impactful. It's like I would I could in, say that there's elements of the bunny game that have fetish elements like someone could get off to like the BDSM elements of that or whatever. Um, and so I wanted to incorporate that in in my work. And I came across um, actress Felicia Fisher, who she does like puke fetish stuff. And so it just made sense to me like, oh, well, the first thing I'm going to do is make uh, a fetish gore, um, a metaphilia film. A metaphilia is like the technical term for puke fetish. Mm. And I'm really inspired by um, like Japanese uh, JAV films. JAV is Japanese adult video for those who don't know. And um, that's a lot of where the really gross fetish stuff comes from. Stuff like Squirm Fest, stuff like Terrible Meal. And I oh. wanted to make kind of an homage to that. And so the the name erotic grotesque nonsense actually comes from a Japanese art style called Uruguru, which translates to erotic grotesque nonsense. And okay, basically, I never knew that. Yeah, so basically awesome. uh, that series is kind of like my little love letter to this art style. And it can be, it could be anything from like paintings to videos like a lot of like tentacle porn from japan can technically fall under uruguru or whatever and so i wanted to make kind of like a western acknowledgement to this art movement and so barf bunny was kind of my homage to terrible meal which i was really inspired by um and then the degenerates is kind of um my love for like found footage inspired by the robert beckowitz murder um, but it's also my love for like found footage and pseudo snuff films. Um, and, but, but like we said, like, uh, I don't want to be like a Fred Vogel copycat. I don't want to be a Blair Witch copycat. Like I love found footage, but it's also a genre that is very bloated and like, it's, it's so easy to make. So everyone and their fucking brother has made one. And yeah. a lot of them are just recycled, like paranormal activity came out and they made like 8 million other similar movies yeah. you know? and yeah. so i wanted to make something if i was going to make a found footage movie i wanted to make something that was similar but different like you could see where my inspirations were from but i'm not i'm not copying anybody i'm kind of doing my own thing with that and uh and then this latest film defilement of a porcelain doll um is very inspired by um the guinea pig series and um the film the devil's experiments um in the devil's experiments uh, for people who don't know that film, a woman's abducted and they basically do systematic torture on her to find out the extent of human suffering. How long can a person endure suffering before they die? And um, with my film, uh, it follows this this really unique fetish called uh, sailorophilia. And sailorophilia is the fetish of making something beautiful, making it ugly. And so gotcha. in that movie, the the villain is is an artist and she is trying she abducts women and is trying to make her canvas um ugly and in the and she's getting aroused by this process and in that process she's also sacrificing this person 
And uh, but it but that is very much inspired by more of the JAV stuff. So stuff like uh, Genki Genki or the LPS films, things like that. So um, it's all, like I said, under the umbrella of this Uruguru art, art movement that I am inspired by. So. Right. And I think that that's like it, it's it's really if if people can stomach them, believe me, your films are not for everybody. Uh, but I promise you, if you're out there listening, and I know a lot of you are, you dreadheads, and you guys are always trying to push boundaries. Uh, this is this is the guy that fucking look after here because I cannot handle the puke shit. Just simply cannot. It it is very. I the trailer for Barf Bunny was enough for me, and and a lot was not shown in there. And it's but it's it's crazy now. The degenerates that was like right up my fucking alley. Um, it was, I, I, I'm a big fan of found footage. Cause I think that when it's done correctly, it is profoundly effective. Um, and yours, do, yours feels gross. It does. Like I, if there was a way to wash my eyes after watching the degenerates, I would have loved to have done it. And then of course the true crime element that was in there as well. Um, so you, so you, you, uh, if Felicia Fisher, um, kind of like your muse almost as it would be, um, so did, did did you kind of did the 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 idea of starting it off with Barf Bunny did that kind of come from finding her as an actress and and reaching out and communicating or did you already kind of have that idea in your head and was it just fate that y'all were able to link up? Well, I as a filmmaker, I tend to like when I come up with an idea, it's all based around what resources I have available. You know, I don't I don't typically like write a script and then go. Well, hopefully I could find someone that could do this. I usually sit and go, okay, well, what do I have available? And what story can I make with what I have available? And so Barf Bunny made sense. I had had Felicia on my podcast to interview her just about her her career and what she was doing. Um, but but she does puke puke porn stuff. And I was like, oh, well, I have this, I'm I've befriended this person who does this. Um, what kind of narrative or what kind of story could I do with someone who's down to do that? And um, so we go and we shoot Barf Bunny. Um, she was totally down. And then I find out after after working with her that she's really into true crime. And so then then the next evolution is like, well, if we could make another movie, what what, what could we make? And oh, we can make a true crime movie. And um, so it's just kind of, everything kind of just naturally evolves. And then and then that's where uh, after we shot the degenerates and at this point like we're really comfortable with each other and stuff um i said i I had discovered sailor ophelia had discovered like facial distortion and i was like man i really want to explore this and felicia was down and then she has uh her friend and someone who she works with little puck and little puck's really into facial distortion stuff and so then i end up sitting down with them and i'm like let's make a fucking gross movie what do you guys want to do and (laughs) They threw out on the table all the things that they were willing to do. And then I started kind of building a story around like, okay, they're down to pee on each other. They're, they're down to puke on each other. They're down to, um, I don't want to give out spoilers. No, no, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're down to do all this stuff to each other. Like what story could I build around this? Like, how could I incorporate that into a narrative? So it's kind of, everything is kind of like, like, I don't know what the next entry is going to be. It's, I think things, circumstances and resources are going to fall in my lap. And then I'll be like, okay, well we could build something with that too. So I tend to get the, I tend to get the building blocks and then build something out of it rather than like sit and think of a story and then try to find the building blocks, you know? 
No, I love that. That's one of the reasons why I tell anyone that like Ed Wood's one of my favorite directors, because I tell everyone like he's as well known as he is. And all he did was work with what he had. I mean, he would sit there and let one thing inspire him and, you know, feel how you feel about his movies. But we're still talking about him. And he did. He I've got this. I've got these people and I've got this amount, this location. I got I can make a movie based on this. Um, you brought up Felicia. What There was a movie. Uh, that she was in, and I'm trying to remember it, and I can't remember if it was a series, and the name is escaping me right now, but I know that it was a pretty brutal film that actually had, like, real cutting and things of that nature in it. Um, oh, and I'm putting you on the spot, too, which isn't fair. But, <laughs> but so, She yeah. did a bunch of films with Sam Hell. Uh, That's the ones I'm thinking house. of. Is, yes, the, yes, the Baroque House. There we go. Those are the ones I was thinking of. Mm-hmm. So um, she worked... That's kind of how I became aware of her. So she's okay. done a bunch of films with them. I can't remember uh, all of them, but yeah, she's done a couple of films with him. So, 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 uh, so, so erotic grotesque nonsense. Is that, is the plan to continue on with that? I didn't know if that was going to just be three films or is it just kind of, Hey, once, if I, if I get another idea that fits in there, we'll, we'll make another one. Right now I'm really happy with the trilogy and I've got other pro I've gotten really, I've really kind of made good relationships with people in like the true crime community. So this year, my focus is more on like making documentaries and stuff related to true crime okay. and kind of putting erotic grotesque nonsense on the back burner just because I'm so happy with where it's at. And if something, if another opportunity comes and I come up with a really good idea, I'll continue it. Um, but if, but if this is, if I don't come up with another idea, I'm happy with the trilogy that I have. So Right now, I mean, and you you released these yourself through Vile Video, correct? Yeah. Um, how long? When did you start up that? Because I know that you've put out others' movies as well. It's a it's a distribution company. How long have you been doing that? Uh, I've been doing that for probably two years now. I originally started Putrid Productions, and it was kind of like a DIY punk rock little thing that I was doing because we were talking about how rare a lot of these films are. Right. So there's a lot of films that are stuck in what's called dead format hell. And for people who aren't really familiar with that, there's a bunch of movies that came out on like Laserdisc or came out on VHS. Right. And then the distribution label that owned the rights to them may have become defunct or been lost or whatever. And so there's a whole bunch of films that never moved over to DVD, never moved over to Blu-ray. And so they're stuck in dead format hell, these formats that are dead. And a lot of them are never going to see the light of the day. An example I give is the unofficial guinea pig entry, Lucky Sky Diamond. That yes. film, whoever owns the rights to that is not going to put it out. I've talked to, I talked to um, Stephen Byro, who put out the, the guinea pig films. He said, yeah, that's never going to get released again. So basically, you can either hunt down and spend a couple hundred bucks on an original VHS of it when it first came out. but someone needs to keep this alive because it's a film that could, that could become extinct, you know, like right. if, if, we, if we lose it all. So I started kind of making bootlegs, unofficial releases of these films that are never going to see the light of day. And other examples like the green elephant, that filmmaker doesn't want anything to do with that movie. They're never going to put it out again. They don't care if people. That, is that the, is that's the, the it's, I can't remember if it's Russian or German, but the troops are like down in a hole. The, the soldiers yeah. are yeah yeah very rough shot very rough film as well <laughs> but yeah yeah the green elephant i so so i and i don't want to question it but like there is there's always this 
gray area of legality when it comes to bootlegs because I have several bootlegs. I If I have the ability to buy it and support someone, I'm going to totally do that. But at the same time, if they, like you said with Green Elephant, they want nothing to do with it. Okay, yeah. well, well, okay, you still made it and put it out. Whether you want anything to do with it or not, that's, that's your problem. If, if we want it, though, that's where I think that the bootlegging thing comes in. What is the process of doing something like that? Um, well, it's, I, Darren Ramage, who made the Traces of Death films, I was interviewing him, and he had a really good distinction that I think is important for a lot of people because a lot of people hear the word bootleg and they go, fuck that, right? Right. To me... To me, uh, well, Darren Ramage said this. He said there's a difference between bootlegging and piracy. And he's, and he, this is the distinction he made. He said bootlegging is like what I was describing is taking these films that don't have an official release, whose ownership is lost, that are, are orphaned projects, are stuck in dead format hell, and you're doing a service for the right. underground by keeping these films alive. Piracy is taking something that you know someone owns the rights to, and you're fucking stealing it from them, you know? Right. like yeah. You're taking you're taking unearthed films DVDs and you're and you're burning them or whatever like that's fucked up. Yeah. But I think that that's my I don't know if that's the technical terminology, but to me like that's the distinction I make. I'm against piracy as well, but I do think bootlegging these films that otherwise could get lost, you're actually doing like a conservation project, and that's what I actually called it. Like you're trying to keep this stuff alive. Um, and so that's originally what Putrid Productions was. And it actually caused a lot of drama in the community. A lot of people got mad at me that I was selling this these bootlegs, even though I, even though these were all films that were that were orphaned. Um, right. I wasn't bootlegging anything, but but some people don't make that distinction. They just hear bootleg and they get upset. So, yeah, there were people that were like, did not like me, thought I was a fucking leech, thought I was this bad person. But it got a lot of attention. And I actually got hit up by several filmmakers and they said, hey, we really like what you're doing with Putrid Productions. It's getting a lot of attention. Would you be down to actually like officially put out my movie? The very first person was Renee Wisner. He wanted me to put out his Pulp Films collection. And so I went, you know what? I want to make a distinction between like these bootlegs and like official releases. So I made a sub label called Vile Video Productions. And that was me actually putting out, officially putting out people's stuff. And eventually, I kind of just uh, retired the conservation project to the bootlegging stuff. And now Putrid Productions is just like my umbrella company for all of my different projects. But now I just put out official releases of people's stuff. And that's what Vile Video is. Yeah, and I like some of the, uh, the, 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 uh, the packaging and special editions and stuff like that I, I, that you've done of, uh, again, my least favorite, not in a bad way, but just because I don't, I do not have the stomach for vomit. But the the I was so tempted, so, and actually I couldn't because it was all it had already been sold out by the time I found out about Barf Bounty. I was late to the game. But if I'd have been available, that special like limited edition thing you put together, I was like, that is disgusting. And like if I could own that, I know every time I walk by my movie case, I'm gonna just feel my stomach churn. And that's a cool thing to be able to have is something that's like, it's over there, but I don't, I don't watch it. Cause it's kind of like the, uh, the Ark of the covenant from Indiana Jones. It'll melt my face <laughs> off if I even open that thing. Um, so I, when it comes to a lot of the underground cinema stuff that you're in, um, because obviously if anyone wa- uh, you know, listens to this, watches this, hopefully plenty of people do, but, um, there's always the thing of great, you know, 
the physical, but obviously, you know, for an independent filmmaker, that has to be limited. Uh, there's not a ton of money there for it. A lot of the times you got to kind of take a gamble on how many you're even going to sell. So you got to be smart about it. What do mm -hmm. you, uh, is there any future uh, for extreme cinema in the streaming space, the legal streaming space? I know a lot of us, we all know if they're into it, you know, you know about effed up movies. But again, that's a place where there is a lot of people's stuff on there that do, you know, it's it's not an official site. That That is, there is piracy going on there. Um, where, where do you see any space? Is that something that comes to mind with, you know, with as far as like preserving this? Because I am all about physical, but, the, you know, for anyone who wants, I mean, your movies came out, you know, only a few hundred copies of them. Where can they go and get them? And where and do you think that that's an important question that the underground is going to have to start thinking about coming up? Well, I think that um, there, I mean, I think there are places where you can stream stuff like people have Shutter, right? But I think the pro and I think I think a service like Shutter is pretty cool. Right. But I think that Shutter also needs to protect themselves because a lot of the super extreme underground stuff like uh may be too offensive to people, you know? And right. so Shutter may not want to like uh I can't imagine my films being on Shutter um because they're because they're border on being pornographic. And so right. so I think some of those bigger labels or those bigger companies that that stream this kind of stuff like are just gonna say give a hard no to certain films if they have too much sexual violence or too much whatever um there's probably like just subject matter that a company is going to decline because they don't want to get they don't want to get canceled or get in trouble because they had a had a movie out there like that and so i think that um as much as people lo love streaming and stuff like that some there's always going to be this kind of like there's going to be those films that are obscure and hard to get your hands on. And I think that's kind of part of the fun too. Like yeah. um, I hear people, I see on like Reddit and stuff, people go, Oh, Jonathan Doe's movies are so fucking hard to find. Cause you can only buy it on DVD. And I kind of like that. I kind of like, like, cause as a collector, I've always wanted to have to hunt things down. And I know that people have like made a, a like are pirating my stuff. Like I know that I found a link that you could download barf bunny. And I'm not upset about it. You know, I think it's that's kind of cool, you know, that people are trying to do that. I mean, I think that it's just hard to find a for the super extreme stuff where you're blurring the lines between like uh, pornography and horror. Like it's hard to find a platform that'd be willing to um, be willing to stream you like even my trail, all, all three of my trailers for my erotic grotesque nonsense films are all YouTube age restricted them yeah. and one of them got taken down. And that's just the trailer. That's me trying to make it as palatable for everyone. As possible, <laughs> you know? So I think there's just kind of a reality that like, I don't know. I just know that my movies aren't going to be on shutter, you know, but yeah, I, I'm surprised. Kinda, oh, go, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Finish up. Oh, I just kind of like that. They're like, you got to come down. You got to come down here in the <laughs> if you want to see my shit, dude, <laughs> you know? No, and that's that's part of I mean, with the with the physical media, I mean, I there's several movies with tons of them that I own that I don't even like. And I mean, it's the same with you when you talk about your collection and stuff like that. But it was the thrill of finding them. Uh, you know, I tell yeah. everyone like, I, you know, you got to if you're especially if you're trying to save some money, 
You got to start looking into like making sure you have region free players. Don't be afraid to go and find out because, uh, geez, I forget which one it was. There was one. It was substantially costly if I wanted like region A North America. And then I went and found the one that was like released in like fucking Belarus. And the damn thing was like 20 bucks, brand new, sealed and everything like that. The only difference was I couldn't read the credits on the back of the box. But um, but no, I, I think that's cool. I'm just honestly surprised at how much like Tubi even has on there. Um, that one's well, that I, one, I, I'm going to I'm going to jump in really quick on what you were yeah. just saying right now. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. If you really are about this shit, you're going to put in work for it. You're going to throw down money. You're going to buy a region free DVD player. You're going to. You're going to hunt foreign websites to get it if you're really about it. If you're just some guy who like, oh, I want to I want to have a digital collection of fucked up movies. OK, but yeah. then there's then there's the people who are really about it. And that's my audience, my audience. That's who I that's what all my shit's for. Like, that's what cinema is underbelly is for. Like, hey, this is a limited ass movie. And here you can look at it. Yeah. I mean, I, I got one. See if you could find yourself one. <laughs> yeah. So that's. Not, I didn't mean to cut you off, but that's no. that's exactly like that's where my mindset is. People go, where can I stream this? You can't, right? Yeah, it's, <laughs> it, 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 it's almost. I mean, it's it's it may sound shitty, but it's almost kind of like a a little a, like a club we have amongst ourselves. That you know, it, it, and again, if it's not for you, it's not for you. But I enjoy it. Thrills me when I'm finally able to find some movie that I've been wanting, even if it's not necessarily extreme. Just you know, it was very limited release, or it just flopped, and it was. Like I said, there's been several of them where I was surprised to find out that like barely anybody here knew about it, but it was apparently pretty decently received in Europe. So, you know, over here, all I could find was like a, you know, a knockoff or something like that. Or if I wanted original, I was going to be dropping several hundred dollars on a used copy. And then again, I find out that there's, you know, uh, you know, something out of Japan that it did really well there. And I, I got like this nice one or then like with the bunny game. Me trying to save money, I actually found a cooler looking copy versus just the standard Blu-ray they put here. Again, it's all in German, but I had never even seen this shit before, and I haven't came across another one since. And it is. It's 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 like our fucked up version of Pokemon. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I got to go fucking catch that shit. Um, but yeah, no, it's it, I, I agree with the whole streaming thing. And um, I think Byro actually has like something I think maybe he does through Vimeo for unearth to stream just his stuff and things of that nature. But like I said, it's, it is crazy. Like with something, I don't know how much you you're involved, like uh, you deal with Tubi, but like there's stuff on Tubi. I would have never imagined w- would be on there, you know, like grotesque and, you know, I mean, some real fucking heavy hitters. Now, again, you're not going to find, you know, fucking Vogel or, you know, Lucifer Valentine shit on there, but they're getting close. You know, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're right around the edges of it. Yeah. So um, I guess, man, as we get ready to start wrapping this up, you know, what what else do you have in the works? I know you're talking about some true crime documentaries and things like that. Do you, are you just kind of wanting to get into that? Do you already have some ideas? Is there some stuff already in motion? Um, I. I uh, well, I've got my YouTube channel, Murderbilia Show and Tell, and that I have a, I have a pretty extensive Murderbilia collection, which is like relics and stuff from different like true crime cases right um and i do what are called like field trip episodes so i'll actually go to places where something has happened like i went to john wayne gacy's property i've been to jeffrey dahmer's apartment i've been to um like the richard speck site where he murdered a bunch of nurses 
Um, so I've gone and done that kind of stuff and I'm going to continue that a little bit more. Um, uh, and I'm friends with a lot of people in the true crime scene, like, um, Taylor James from cult collectibles and, um, um, yeah, Andrew Dodge from, uh, true crime auction house and stuff like that. So I've got projects like planned with them. Um, and we're going to go out and like, check out some pretty infamous spots of different things and do interviews with different people. I've done interviews with, um, like I said, on my podcast, I did an interview with, um, uh, uh, Bill Holbert, who's known as wild bill. And he was an assassin. He shot and killed, uh, five people and he's, he's locked up right now, but I've also done interviews with Rowan Richard. She was a survivor of the Aurora theater shooting, the Batman theater shooting. And, um, so yeah, those are things that I'm really interested in, and and um, I've got a documentary that I'm working on also that's uh, centered on more horror stuff, and I've got interviews with a lot of big figures from the horror community, people like Fred Vogel, people like um, uh, Stephen Byro, just just figures within our community. So that's going to be coming out soon, and then I'm also going to be putting out a uh, kind of like a compilation. DVD called um, Splat, and it's like all my short films from when I was 19. Oh, cool. Which should just be like fun. So I've got stuff that I'm working on this year. It's going to be, be be pretty cool. And um, I'm not against, actually, I'm, I'm actually talking to a couple other fetish core filmmakers right now, and we're, we've got some plans in the works for some stuff too. So I'm not, I'm not completely stepping away from fetish core. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. I, I, I'm very excited about the documentary stuff you're talking about within the horror community. Cause that's the stuff. Um, I believe, uh, Marcus Koch and his wife, I forget the name of it, but they have one that they've recently done. I got, and that's, I've been trying to find a copy of it. I've been even trying to find it digitally to watch it. Um, but I, I would love more of that. Uh, one of the movies, I don't know if you've heard of it that I got, uh, that kind of got me into a lot of this was a movie called S and M man. Uh, yeah, and it was that was how I found out about a lot of the people. I had just started kind of dipping my toes into extreme cinema, and you know, there's a movie that you know, Loose for Valentine's in there, Fred Vogel, tons of other ones. Um, and I actually own a copy of that, and I've rewatched it several times. And I've always sit there, and I'm just like, that's that's what I find even more fascinating than necessarily the movies is finding out what makes people like you tick, and these others because I think people see what you guys put on screen. And they think you guys are fucking monsters. And I'm like, no, these people are normal people. You know, there's people who listen, you know, with our podcast, we, we kind of do like South Park meets true crime. You know, it's very vile. We, we crack very offensive jokes. It's not for everybody, but you know, I, we've got me and my wife, we have three kids. You know, I, I work a normal job. I'm not a fucking monster. I mean, I'm, you may think I'm a monster, but I'm not, I'm just a dude. And so I, I like that aspect of it. Is that kind of what you're going for with kind of like, you know, talking to them and interviewing and doing the docuseries on some of these uh, filmmakers and creators? Well, I mean, the horror under like all these film, like we're all friends with each other, you know, like I, I hang out with Marcus and Jesse, like I've hung out with Steven Byro. I've, I haven't had, I've talked to, I've talked to Fred Vogel several times and I, I can say they're all really sweet, nice people. They're all really cool. Like, you know, like even the most fucked up people that you can think of, I mean, for the most part, every like there's a couple bad apples in every scene, you know, oh, yeah. but for the most part, everybody's pretty fucking cool, you know, and uh, and I think that we make this messed up stuff 
because I don't know, you've got messed up thoughts in your head, but if you can make it into art, yes. um, that's cool. It's like same like, like singer of like a death metal band, you know, they sing songs about killing people, but then you actually <laughs> hang out with them and they're just fucking like, Hey man, you want to have a beer and hang out? You know? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. nice. Like uh, corpse grinders, like one of the most soft spoken people I've ever heard. Like when he's not on stage talking about, you know, the fucking wounds and shit like that. But yeah, he's like, thing, like, oh, I want to go shop around Target. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to go play some some WoW later and shit like <laughs> that. But it's the same thing. Like when I go to like death metal shows and stuff like that, I tell everyone, I was like, I think that everyone's like, how could you do that? Like, don't you feel unsafe? And I'm like, no, I, th- I think I'm getting some aggression out that we all have. Like we all, yeah. like you said, we all have these fucked up thoughts. Sometimes we all do want to just go out there and start spin kicking the fucking air out of frustration with life. And I, you know, I, I buy a ticket, I spend a few hours and I do that. And then I go home and I tuck my kids in at night and it's an okay way to live. You know, there's a, there's a lot more people that look surface level normal and they are really fucked up behind the scenes. Yeah. I mean, like going into a mosh pit or watching a fucked up movie is like a cathartic thing. It's like, it's honestly relaxing. I feel better after I've been in a pit. Oh yeah. Like, I'm like, Oh Yeah. I'm not I, alone. I it's yeah. I'm not alone. There's other people here that are just as pissed off as me. Or then when I watch a movie and I'm like, you know what? I, I, there's not a lot of us that watch this movie, but I'm, there's plenty of us, you know, I'm, I, I vibing with my tribe, you know? Yeah. Yeah. For real. Well, so. man, Hey, I, I let's wrap this up. I don't want to take any more of your time, man, but I greatly appreciate uh, this. Uh, anything you want to plug real quick again, all of uh, Jonathan Doe's uh, links to his YouTube channel, podcast, his Twitter, IG, all of that's going to be in the show notes, whether you're checking this out on YouTube or any of the podcast platforms as well. But uh, do you got anything uh, you want to say in closing to anyone? Yeah. Um, subscribe to Cinema's Underbelly. Subscribe to Murderbilia Show and Tell. Check out the Uneasy Train Explorers Club and uh, support the underground and buy some, buy some movies, dude. Absolutely. And again, uh, that website is, uh, putrid, is uh, putridproductions.bigcartel.com, correct? You Absolutely. So everyone check that out again, dreadheads, be sure to visit spreadthedreadpodcast.com. You'll find links to our YouTube, all of the podcast platforms, our store, our Patreon, and all of that stuff. And if you're watching this on YouTube where you should be, make sure that you like comment, subscribe, and then make sure you check out all of Jonathan Doe's links, even out of morbid curiosity. I promise he does a lot of stuff. At least one thing he does. You're going to fucking like it, whether it's his, uh, whether it's his YouTube channels or his podcast, uh, and if you find a way to get a hold of his movies and you want to push yourself, can't recommend them highly enough except for Barf Bunny because your boy himself could not handle that one. So uh, him and Felicia and Marcus, they overdid themselves on that one personally. <laughs> but uh, again, Jonathan, thank you so much for coming by, man. We really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, man. Thank you. Appreciate it. Have a good All one. right. All right. And Dreadheads, as always, I'm John. You stay dreadful. We'll talk again soon. Shut up! Oh my God, I don't care!